Oh, thank you. Let me spot. Let me perfect. All right, welcome. Okay, so for the connection today, I'm gonna share something with you guys. Put it up there. This is something that I um, I found this last week. A mental health guide for coping with lockdown in the winter, right? Or, or coping with, with these things. And it's one of the things I've been kind of praying about too for our church and just knowing that I want to be able to provide mental health resources to families to be a blessing to our the family of Genesis, but also for you to be a blessing to your neighbors to be able to share this content um, with others. And so here was my connection for today. So hopefully you can see that. I might try to zoom in even a little bit more if that would help. That, that's not very much of a zoom. Okay, so you might be able to read that a little better now. Um, but so these are these coping ones, right? So here's my question for connection. I'm to throw in the chat. Hey, which one of these do you feel like, hey, we do this and I've got an example of how we do it. And we want to share these stories for the sake of encouraging each other. Hey, what are the good practices that you're doing as a family, right? That are working, right? I mean, I mean, they're not ideal, but they're adequate. And so part of these is just like, hey, lighting is so huge, right? I mean, in the 50s, Carmel's telling me in the 50s, they made ranches with bigger windows because of TV, right? Because you needed light. And they used to think windows were bad. Right, but we all need light, and they're finding kids who are having vitamin D insufficiencies by not having natural light. Right, so lighting is a big deal. Limiting your news is a big deal. Um, taking time for yourself. Right, these are staying connected, having coping strategies, planning your week, um, looking at having positive habits, helping others is a great coping strategy. Connecting to your values is a huge coping strategy. Staying active is, and asking for help. So really, I'm kind of looking for, hey, which one of these do you say, wow, we don't do it perfectly, but we kind of live into this one. Our family kind of does this. And here's an example of actually how we do it. So I would really love and really value to hear um, your input on this. So take a moment here, find one of them. And if you throw it into the chat, throw your name in there, which one of these I mean, for me, it's staying active. I'm, I'm, I'm exercising, right? And I tell, every time when I do it, and I tell Harvest, because, you know, he always wants me to play with them. I'm like, no, no, no. You know why I do this, right? This is good for my brain. This is good for my body. This helps me stay connected. This is, this is my, it helps me parent you, right? So staying active and walking around and exercising just reduces your stress, boosts my mood, right? And it's important for my body and my brain, right? So, um, how, how about you? I'm going to stop sharing. If you're interested in this, I can send it to you. Or I can just copy the, the coping things. I actually had to pay for it. So I probably can't send you the PDF because probably against the law. But I can copy all the ideas and send those to you. So in the chat, who has one? Anybody figure out what coping strategies helping with your mental health? What are you guys doing that's working? I see Dan Buttry is saying um, the dinners, that they're doing uh, Zoom dinners with friends periodically. I always finish feeling good and glad. Anybody else have? <laughs> Carmel said, clearly everyone is struggling. <laughs> 
dance from Sharon. Somebody wanna um, make kids go from walk. Yeah, from Amanda and from Alan deleted Facebook app from the phone. Man, people have got it in here. Lighting, brighter lighting. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't probably forward that image, but I'll get the the document to to um, everybody only because I paid for it. Uh, I mean, I don't know how to get that to you, Amanda. Sorry, and Nate has it too. So Nate, if you want to email that to her, does anyone want to comment? What's working? Bonnie, somebody highlight Bonnie, because I want to hear somebody talk, <laughs> not just me. Bonnie. And when Bonnie comes up here and shares that, I will email Amanda that image. Hey, um, I just put in there that I light a candle many mornings because it it really does light in my mood. And I've discovered that about myself. If I'm struggling and just having a little light burning makes a difference for me. Bonnie, that wasn't long enough. So you're gonna need to talk a little bit longer. Um, and, and tell us what other great coping skills the backings have there um, too. Or Nate, can you call I'll somebody? Share. So I used to be the person that uh, watched everyone that was running on the side of the road and I would look at their faces and it didn't, it didn't look like they were enjoying themselves. Um, it looked like they were in pain. And I always thought, why do people run? They all look miserable. And so I also haven't felt comfortable going into the gym. So I started a couch to 5K and I started that nine weeks ago. And so I've actually been running three days a week for the last nine weeks. And that's unheard of, absolutely unheard of for a Viking. <laughs> Vikings like to row. They don't like to run. So... I encourage anyone to, if you can get some movement in your life and if you can try and commit to it, it's super good for the brain. So is she, she's super good for the brain as well. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, hey, I'll try to get all those resources to you guys for that. We're going to continue to try to put some just like mental health resources, right, for you to be sharing, to be able to live into even really small, small steps, right, to get us moving in, um, in those directions, right? They're just so good for us, and it's so needed uh, in this time. So at this time, we're going to do our offering. And so thank you so much for your participation and for your giving and for uh, your faithfulness to God in that. And so I'm trying to spotlight myself in here, but I can't. Well, maybe somebody else can. Oh, thank you, Nate. Whoever. So we know. So let me pray. Right. There's really this is just a time to recognize the generosity of God. And so let me pause and pray. So, Father, we praise you. You are God who is generous. You are gracious, and you give, and you give, and you give. You're generous to the good, and you're generous to the wicked. That's who you are. You know our needs before we ask them. And you're abundant. And so, Lord, for the needs that we've even heard, the needs that have shown up in these prayer requests today, the needs of for Jenny's brother, the needs of other family members and our kids, the needs of childcare and of work and the strain and the pressures. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. 
Lord, in the needs of financial uncertainty for people's jobs who've gotten limited and who are concerned for their futures. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. For those who feel like they're surrounded by bad news and there's only the threat of less, may you show that you are abundant and good, Lord. May we be able to grab a hold of Jesus's words, say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me, Jesus. And so, Lord, may we know how to trust, how to hear, and then how to open our hands and join in your goodness in this world. May your good be multiplied, we pray, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, so far, boy, I've loved hearing the stories. I like seeing in your faces here. You know, I've got my high, I've got the people on the top of my screen who I get to see. That's Mary, that's Micah, that's the Buttries, that's the Lucas family, and Dave Lindquist. I have to say, this is the, you are all my favorites. Just so you know, you're my favorites, and I've highlighted you. I'm, I, you know, no, I, I love ha uh, being able to see people, and I see Davey on there as well sort of leaning into his mom and dad. And so it is, it is good to be with you. So I'm going to pull up my little teaching notes for today. Ah, found them here. I, um, I woke up this morning and was continuing just to kind of think about how to encourage in that. And I always joke with Carmel that at certain times I get really amped and I get really fired up, right? And and this morning was one of them. And one of my, for some of you guys who have done um, strength finders, they have different gifts. And one of my gifts is connectedness. And so I make connections in the world. I see connections. Sometimes my connections are a little bit weird and they kind of feel like, you guys, anybody seen the movie, A Beautiful Mind, where he's a genius, I'm no genius by no means, right? But he's making these crazy connections that actually aren't connections. So sometimes I feel like my brain is that, right? It's going crazy, making all these connections. So um, I pray that it's not chaos for you this morning, um, but these connections are clear. What I love about um, the chat function in here, and I know some people don't like Zoom because of the chat and they think it's rude for you to be chatting when I'm talking. I think it's kind of awesome because um, it makes it a dialogue um, and it allows your, your learning, your input to be in this. And, and some people, you need, you need that, that, that expression. So know that I'm not offended if you're chatting um, during that and using that to express your ideas and your thoughts and making your connections. Or if you're even saying, Bo, you've lost me. This is crazy. What are you talking about, right? So feel free to use the chat. It, it helps it. Then one of the things when the standard teaching monologue in churches you, you just don't know, right? And this and what's kind of cool with the chat thing, it kind of gives some immediate feedback if I actually read it. I may not be able to because I'm talking, but I love that. And so feel free to give connections um, in this. And so it's, I don't find that disrespectful or rude. Now, again, if you're on here and that distracts you, you don't have to see the chat. You can allow that. You can just kind of push that to the side. And you can kind of close that chat window if that's a distraction for you. So feel free to um, kind of work this the best for the sake of your own learning and the way to tune in. But here's my question to start with this week. What has consumed your attention this week? If you looked back over your week, what has consumed you? You can mention to the person, you can throw it into the chat. You know, right? You can 
you can throw it in there. What's consumed you? I mean, there's tons of stuff that's been consuming this week, right? I mean, the, the COVID numbers spreading around our, our country, maybe that's consumed you. Maybe the, the reality of maybe just the election conversations that are going on. Um, maybe it's the concern for uh, the economy, I, I, right? Maybe, maybe there's a breakdown in your own family. Yeah, anxiety about holiday plans. Goodness, right? I've, I've heard so many people having hard conversations with their family and ones where they know their family is offended and angry with them if they limit themselves during the season, right? Right, what's consumed you? You, you know what, so, and um, it's so interesting, right? The, the, there's the movie, um, no, nah, nah, I won't go in that, right? I know for me at times, I get tuned in to certain stuff and yeah, it was the movie Social Dilemma and it tells you how the algorithm of Facebook will put in front of you what consumes you because they know because they're measuring what grabs your attention and all they're longing to do in this movie is to get your attention right to consume you right to take your time and so i think sometimes it, 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 these algorithms these computers know our weaknesses of what will consume our time and thoughts and energy and like so many for me it's controversy i i tune in to controversy like i tune into car crashes right where you slow down and you look you know for it's so weird right but here's with Psalm 125 that I read for us this morning. Oh, Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. And so um, I, I think it's like, hey, what do you be tuned into? There's at times where I'm so tuned into everything around me, I'm not in tune with God, right? And I want to be in tune with God. I want to be tuned in what God has. And so, so often my discipleship practice, and I have friends around me who ask the million-dollar question, right? What's God saying to you when you're being tuned in to all of this? Because that's usually the question. Psalm 125, verse 4 again. Oh, Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you. So first off, you get a little weird by that, um, like whose hearts are good, right? I mean, Jesus said, oh, man, um, do good to those who do good. We know that our God does good to everybody. That's what Jesus said, right? That God is kind to the wicked and the unthankful. Right? He's kind. So our part is wanting to be able to tune in to God. That's what even Jesus said when he said, hey, seek first the kingdom. Be tuned in to God. So that's why I want to talk to you. I want to talk about, about tuning in to God and helps for us to be in tune with the spirit. Instead of just sort of getting, I'm sorry for saying tune. All right. I get hung up on words and I just keep saying them again and again and again, right, for repetition. But I think we're getting tuned up in the wrong way, right? And I want us to tune in to God. And so how do we do this? I mean, for, for us, it is continuing to live out this value. That's what I loved about in that coping skills. It says, hey, live your values. That was one of the ones that was highlighted in that coping in the winter. Live out your values. Church, our, one of our values is that is the hearing and doing. We need to, at the heart of following Jesus is hearing his words and acting on them. We believe that it's our birthright to hear from our good father and that life is more adventurous and robust when we say yes and respond to what we hear, right? That we can tune into God, listening to him. And many of us have practices of trying to figure out how do I tune in more to God? Because it seems like there's a lot of noise that's making it hard to actually tune into God and easy to tune into everything else. So I want to encourage us. I want us to tune in. I want us to tune into God and it's so much for our good. And the truth of this is I need others for this and you need others to help with this. Yes, you have the spirit of God within you that allows you to hear God and know God and speak to God. 
And I'm living into this every morning. I'm reading the scriptures with a group of people, right? We're tuning in to the spirit of God and learning from each other. And one of the other things that I've added into my life is this tool called the prayer of examine. Okay, you can go there, you can go online and you can find, type in prayer of examine, you'll find tools. It's, it's, it's an Ignatius spirituality tool. Um, it was about 400 years ago where it was put in. And this prayer is a technique of prayerful reflection on the events of the day. It's after the day, it's at the end of the day, right? So it's reflection on the events of the day in order to detect God's presence and to discern his direction for us, to discern his word, to tune in to God. So for me, engaging, uh, I'm, I'm a morning person. I like the mornings. It's quiet in the morning. I'm robust in the morning. I'm pumped in the morning. I'm ready to go in the morning. And when evening comes, I'm done, right? I don't want to think about anything. I want to watch something stupid on TV. I want to eat ice cream. And I want to go to bed tired and not be, not let my mind go. And so, but my challenge is that at nighttime, my mind is still roaring with all the events of the day. And so they can go unprocessed where I'm not tuning into God in them. So they affect my dreams, my sleep, my life, because I'm not tuning into God, but I'm not good at it because I'm so tired, right? It's even like asking that question and reflecting on the day, taking a few minutes is so hard for me. So I've known about this thing. It's the, the prayer of exam and I've known about this tool and I've been, I thought that God's invited me into it for like three months. And for the first two months, you know how many times I did it? I put it on my calendar to do it every day. I think I did it twice. And then I invited brother, a brother, Ken, Ken Burden here. I call him like Ken. I think this would be good, right? Um, would you, could, could we call each other at night and just sit on the phone in silence and, and do this prayer of examine? And at the end, we'll just pray the Lord's prayer together and we'll be done. And Ken was like, sure. And, and it's still been hard without cancer. About three times a week, Ken and I do this. And we call each other and they're like, hey, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. We're tired. Oh, I want to go to bed, right? And then we're like, okay, you ready to do it? And like, yep. And so I put my phone on speaker and we sit there in silence and then go through these questions with the Lord in silence. Carmel's walked up on me a few times and been like, what are you doing? And who are you talking to? And I'd be like, I'm talking to Ken. We're sitting here praying to ourselves sort of, but you know, right? And then we're going to talk to each other, right? But we've done it, right? The prayer of examine kind of moves you through. Um, you can find a number of them, but it, it's becoming aware of God's presence. You review the day with gratitude. You're paying attention to your emotions. You're choosing a feature of the day and praying from it, and you're looking toward tomorrow. When another person who put out some tips for this of the prayer of examine was um, you relinquish the moments uh, and the first step, you were, you, 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 I'm sorry, you relish the moments that went well and all the gifts that you have for today, because gratitude is the foundation of our, of our relationship with God. So you start relishing in the moments of the day and the gifts that God gave you, if that was meals or good. In other words, you request the spirit to lead you through the review of the day, to guide you there, to review the day. The third one, so you request spirit God's help and you, um, you review the day in your mind. The other part, you can repent of any mistakes or failures. And the other part is to resolve in concrete ways to live for tomorrow. So it creates this space. So one of the things that it's done is that it's created a practice for me using this prayer to reflect on my day. And in the reflecting, God has brought things to the surface that I missed that were incredibly powerful.
and that were not only powerful for me, they were they were, I believe they're for you. And so here's this first one. This is coming to the prayer exam. And so you know what? Hey, if you don't have a practice, I mean, it, this, it's not hard. I would say find a friend and at the end of the day to just sit with in silence, maybe a couple times a week, find a little template for the prayer of exam. We'll send it out to you and do it, right? It will benefit you to reflect. It'll give you um, the space to let the day be done and for God to speak into it, for you to sleep and be at peace and for God to tune you into what he wants you to tune into, right? So, but here was one of the things that the Lord tuned me to. So this week I called Dick Edgar. Dick is a long time member of this community. Uh, I'm a, a, an elder in our community, elder not by title, but by character, right? A trusted servant of Jesus Christ. And Dick has been in the hospital with COVID. He just uh, went in, back into a rehab center and, and Dick's been joining us via Facebook and he's there now. And his daughter, Diana, has been joining him and connecting and we've been following up. But, but I, I called Dick and I was talking to him and just chatting about how he was doing and just about um, God's goodness. And, and Dick ends the call with this. He said this really simple thing. He said this, hey, Bo, I'm proud of our church. When Dick said that, it struck my emotions deeply. And so the prayer examined one of the things is says, um, um, where, where were your emotions peaked in the day? And when Dick said that, tears came to my eyes. And then when I remembered that little phrase at the end of the day, more tears came to my eyes. And when I shared it, I almost began to cry when, when Dick is saying, I'm proud of our church. And what, what I love about that expression, right? Because the church is the people. Um, Dick is joining in on Facebook, right? He's joining in from a rehab center. He's joining in digitally. It is not ideal, right? It is not ideal, but it's adequate. And Dick is saying, I'm proud of our, I'm proud of the people. I'm proud of the way they're engaging. I'm proud of their love, how we're trying to connect. See, those words that Dick brought to me, right, were affirmation. It's the affirmation of a father, of a father figure who comes and says, I'm proud of the people. And he spoke that blessing over me as a servant in this community. I'm proud of our church and I'm a part of that. And so Dick's pleasure and proudness was to me, but also to you of saying, he's proud, right? This is, this is an elder saying, I'm proud of our church. This is a hard season, right? He knows it's tough. He knows that what we're in is, is tough. See, Dick worked in city government for almost all of his life in the city of Detroit. And so he knew what cooperation was and working with others and, and the hard challenges of wanting to make change. And so that word, right, that word of I'm proud, struck to my core of God's affirmation for our community. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect examples, but we're living examples of people wanting to follow Jesus. Church, I want you to hear, can you hear God's pleasure? I'm proud of you. I delight in you. I love you. You are mine and I delight in you. These are the words that the father spoke over Jesus right at his baptism. These have been words that I've been trying to share with parents for the last three months. 
In the same way that the God, our parent, God, our father spoke over Jesus, he speaks over us. You're my child and I delight in you. We are desperate. We need those. I'm proud of our church. I'm proud when I hear the stories of love that people are sharing. And I hear that Jessica, you stepping into it, loving our neighbors. And if that this week and last week, I threw out these sort of invitations for loving your neighbors and um, and, and I had one that God prompted me when I was praying through my neighborhood. And yesterday, myself and a guy named Ted, who's a part of the Genesis community, we went to a, the neighbor across my street and we, and we replaced the concrete steps of his house and fixed those in the morning, right? And out of just an act of love, when I saw the crumbled steps, I felt like God said, hey, do something about that. And, and God knew, I knew of a Mason who goes to Genesis. And I was like, hey, Ted, would you help me? And he was like, I'd love to. Right. And, and then I told my neighbor, I'm like, hey, this is weird, but I feel like God's asking me to help you with this. Can, can we? And he's like, yes. So we did that. Right. And it was just an act of love. Right. And you know, God is just proud of that. So I, I, I want you to hear this morning. I think this is a word you need to hear. Not that we don't have issues to solve. <laughs> Not that we have issues at our church, but may you hear the pleasure of God. It says, I'm proud of our church. I'm proud of the way you love, the way you care, the way you engage, the way you engage in hard conversations and love each other still. I'm proud of you. The next one that messed me up that I believe you need to hear this morning came in the morning call, in our morning prayer call. It came on Veterans Day, and I was with a veteran on Veterans Day, and we were talking about that, and, and this veteran in our community shared this, this, this moment with me, and when, and when he was talking about how he responds to, you know, because you, know, you guys know, what, when you see a veteran on Veterans Day, or you know somebody who served, what do you say? thank you for your service. Right? I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's not meant to be cliche, but it is, it, it, you know, it's, it's what you say, right? And, um, and they're serving, right? Um, and this individual said, oh, do you know what I say in response to that? And I was like, no. And he said this, you're worth it. It messed with me. That messed with me. You're worth it out of his service. You're worth it. Now, um, this veteran who shared this story anonymously with me, right, is one that um, has fought in war, the Vietnam War, was involved in it. And when he returned home, he was not the same, right? It cost him immensely. It cost him the dreams that he had before going into the war, and it cost him his well-being, mental, physical, and emotional harm by stepping into it. And so many who have experienced war and of that know that that's, that's what happens, right? When you're put into those kinds of scenarios. And yet his response, thank you for your service. You're worth it. It messed with me to the core. So I had to ask, right? Where did that come from? How in the world can you say that? And really I'm asking, hey, can, can you say that without Right, without um, he, he said he said that to the person at a at a, a clerk at a store, and they begin to weep because, in essence, he's saying the gospel, <laughs> right? In, in essence, he's sharing this this beautiful reality. I mean, uh, and so I was so struck. I was so struck by Jesus at the core of this person, as I'm making these connections to what they're saying. You're worth it. This person who was um, ridiculed on the return after returning from war, 
not honored, right? And, and paid a bit great price. But yet when he's with people and they say, um, thank you for your service, his response is, you're worth it. He's speaking worth over people. And in that has taken immense forgiveness and healing. But yet that statement is the gospel. I mean, what, what Jesus did for us, what Jesus went to the cross and gave up his life and took immense harm to him. And in essence, he's saying to us through his crucifixion and resurrection, you're worth it. You are worth it. We need that. It's beautiful. That statement is the gospel. Yesterday, when my neighbor was so, my neighbor didn't know what to do with the act of love, right? Just the simple act of doing the steps, right? It, It cost a little bit of labor, a little bit of money, right? He actually provided for most of the stuff. He didn't know what to do with it. So much so that he was like, hey, what do I owe you? Right? And it's like, nothing. You know, guys, my, my intent of loving my neighbor, I, I'm not trying to get them to come to Genesis. I don't care if he goes to Genesis. I want to love him. Why? Because Jesus told me to love him. Right? I, I have no expectation. And, and, and it's almost, I wish, I, I, my, my new line has been inspired by my veteran friend. That when people, I want to say to my neighbor, Pat, like, why we do this? Like, oh, Pat, you and your family, you're worth it. You're worth me serving. I love you guys. You're my neighbor. You're worth it. And in so saying, we're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ over people. Amen. And so this week, um, I, I got emails of people um, from Katrina saying that God brought to mind one of her neighbors who, who's elderly. And she wasn't sure exactly how to love him. But, but ironically, her husband began to just even rake her leaves this week without even her telling her this without her even sharing that God had put her on his mind. And that was an expression of them saying, hey, you're worth it, neighbor. And, and one of our, our family members, Shane, had felt like his elderly neighbor who needs computer help. So he's going to offer training for her, three hours of like virtual training to help train his neighbor, right? That's like beautiful. Why? Because she's worth it. The gospel. And so, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that um, in us, you have to be able to hear that over you from God for you to have a healthy ego, right? God has to speak over your person that. That's receiving the gospel. You have to know you're worth it. You have to hear Jesus say those to you. I love you. You're worth it. You're, you're worth my death on the cross to bring you life. You're worth it. Right? That's needed. And, and, and just as important, for, for many of us, when we respond to the needs of the world, we're responding because we see them and we say, oh, you're worth it. We have this worldview that looks at others and says, we want to love you. We want to sacrificially give our love and our life to you. You're worth it. And so whether that is a small sacrifice or a grand sacrifice, it's all being driven out of this language that is, I believe, demonstrated the most beautiful way through our God. You're worth it. So I believe that statement is for us. And I don't know, today, you may need to hear it. Has it been a while since you've heard that? Do you believe that? See, I, I used to think you had to know 
that you had to um, first believe that you were worth it from God before you could begin to live out that kind of love. That actually isn't true. You can live out that kind of love that says to someone else you're worth it and not have actually embraced the love of God. I think it makes it harder, but you can. And so I think there's a number of you who are here who are like, wow, you're living out your love for others, but but you don't know that God loves you. But you, you haven't experienced the deepest part of you that you're worth it, right? But yet you're, you're, you're living it. You're living it out for others. Holy Spirit, as you're moving me right now, I pray you would move these people here. Would you point to the people and say, that's you. Let me love you. And there's others, right? You're like, gosh, you know God loves you and who's spoken of you. You're worth it. And one, um, and so Jesus, when he calls us into discipleship, he's saying, oh, here's my command. Love as I have loved you. This is a new command because it's in reference to me, to Jesus, in reference to Jesus. Speak to others, they're worth it. Love as I've loved you. And when you step into those either small acts of love or raking a neighbor's leaves, of calling in on them, of checking in on them, of sending a text message, or the really big ones that are super, super costly. May you be able to know, oh, they're worth it because you have a view of their worth in the eyes of God. You're worth it. I think about like I, Nate and Tina, right? With princess next to them, right? And, and, and Nate and Tina have a, such a hard time with wanting to encourage people into the foster care, which they give their lives to, right? For the foster care of princess, because they know how painful it is, right? And they, and they struggle with the reality of everybody continuing to see the brutality um, of their hearts being pulled in broken, of seeing brokenness, right? And laying their lives down for people. But yet when they see princess, you know what they say, right? Oh, you're worth it. You're worth the anguish. You're worth the sacrifice, right? And when we see her, we say, oh, you're worth it. When I look at the McLaughlins and I see Saya, Saya, and I knew of the, the journey that they were on with her, right? To adopt her from Haiti. And they were like, oh, you're worth it. And I know all the adoptive parents who are on that journey and knowing that, that kids have come from trauma, they say, oh, you're worth it. And those of you who are in jobs of service and industries where you lay your lives up for people, you know, like, oh, you're worth it. We're being called to that kind of life, church. Where we, where we would step out into it, that we would be declaring, we'd be declaring to the world, you're worth it. Some of you um, are being called in such, you, you get this sense that you're being called in such challenging things and you're kind of frightened, right? But you got to know that what you're being called into, they're worth it. And that the Lord will provide 
one of our values is we have this uniques, right? We call it the three uniques of our community. And one of those uniques is this, that heroes are among us, everyday people living like Jesus. And in their living, they're proclaiming to the world, not just to Americans, not just to the people in their neighbor. They're claiming to everyone, you're worth it, right? God cares for you. We care for you. And those stories are among us. Church, I am proud of you. May the Spirit of God continue to lead us to take hold of God's affirmation upon us saying, you are worth it. May the Spirit of God continue to speak into us and point to another person and say, they're worth it to whatever sacrificial love that the Lord is inviting us to step into. May we hear and do. Amen. But before we uh, break, I'd like, if it's possible, where you are, um, to have a quiet space. Um, and that may mean a quiet space with kids running around screaming. That may be what mine is. And that's totally fine. Uh, there, there were two, um, two things striking me this morning. Um, one was uh, with Jesus' statement where he's making the reference to um, the mother hen who longs to gather her chicks underneath. Um, and that the image of that is beautiful. And I think some of us need to hear that this morning, that God is our mother longing to bring us in so that we experience that warmth and that intimacy um, that nurturing for our souls. But the next part of that verse actually says, but you were unwilling. So there's this statement of like, oh, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you, right? How I've longed to gather you and to cover you, yet you are unwilling. And so, um, Lord, what is the unwillingness in me this morning? What is, what is that space that I say, oh, I don't think you want access to that. I'm not sure you can handle that. Where is the unwillingness? Um, sometimes our identity gets coiled around the hurt. Sometimes our identity can get coiled around um, the trauma and actually um, experiencing freedom or deliverance from those is really scary because it's something that we have actually owned as a piece of our identity. And yet um, the Lord is saying, I have, I have freedom for you and I have more for you. And which leads to the second thing that was just kind of um, going through my head. And so Psalm 139 is one of my favorite Psalms. And I felt like this morning, I wanted to just read it over us um, but to read it over us from God's perspective. And so it might be helpful for you to uh, close your eyes, or that might be really dangerous for you, depending on who else is in your house. Your kids may get super unruly. <laughs> so if you're able to close your eyes and kind of listen and receive that this way, because that's a space for you, awesome. 
if not, um, then maybe just listen and see if, if God has a word for you in it. And then we're going to um, release and, and be able to chat with each other. But this is Psalm 139, worded from creator God, nurturer God to us. I've searched you and I know you. I know when you sit and when you rise and I perceive your thoughts from afar. I discern your going out and your lying down. I'm familiar with all your ways. Before a word is on your tongue, I know it completely. I hem you in behind and before, and I lay my hand upon you. Where could you go from my spirit? Where could you flee from my presence? If you went up to the heavens, I'd be there. If you made your bed in the depths, I'm there. If you rose on the wings of the dawn, if you settled on the far side of the sea, even there my hand would guide you. My right hand would hold you fast. If you said, surely the darkness would hide me and the light become night around me, even in the darkness, it would not be dark to you. The night would shine like the day for darkness is as light to me. I created your inmost being. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You praise me because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my work and my works are wonderful. Your frame was not hidden from me when I made you in that secret place, when you were woven together in the depths of the earth, I saw your unformed body. All the days for you are written in my book before even one of them came to be. My thoughts of you are precious. How vast are the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when you awake, I will still be with you. Amen. Lord, help us to lean into these words to receive from you our sonship, our daughtership. May all that we've allowed or experienced or has taken over that tries to deceive us of that or dilute that be driven out um, by Christ's name and in the power of Christ's blood. And today, may we experience the love that you have for us, that it would fill us to overflowing. 
and that we would then be able to extend that to others. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we praise you this day. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Bo is going to unmute us, and we can chat to one another. And I also am proud of our church. Love you. Okay.